0: Welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, I'll be your host tonight, again, Dave Dunning. Um, and with me, I have two guests and a non host tonight. I've got <laughs> Cengiz Gokri out in Berlin. Cengiz, how are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm over the moon, mate. I'm doing
0: brilliant. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, just as happy. Um, I've also got Amara Naz in London. Amara, how are you doing tonight?
2: Yeah, I just like to say that I prepared for this pod and I did some yoga, and in that yoga was the exact same pose that Mo Salah did on on Sunday with Chelsea. It's called the tree pose, if you didn't know.
0: Oh well, thanks for that insightful uh, information. <laughs> um, I presume that you're now you're now um, giving out all sorts of peace, love and tranquility. Then is that what you're saying?
2: No, no, that's not, not at all. No, no that I didn't side think of so. me still exists. No,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is just extra. <laughs> All right, we'll keep practicing. Um, and finally, out in Berlin, I've got uh, Neil Patterson, Chief. How are you? how are you doing? Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm great. I'm also reveling in in, in Salah's Boom shiva moment. So, um, yeah, really, 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 really happy, uh, and looking forward to to get into talking about how great we are.
0: All right, well, we'll just do that then. So, two um, 0 at home to Chelsea. It was a big game. It was it was looked upon as the last the last major hurdle towards our our potential ninety seven points and see what that that brings us. And the Reds were really good in the first half and then bar like I'm crazy seven or eight minutes in the second half. Fucking brilliant. So I think we'll we'll talk about the lineup chief. Kaida Henderson Fabinho midfield three. I certainly wasn't expecting that. Um but it didn't it work. Didn't it work? Um, Henderson massively influential on in the game, um, you know, uh, contributing to to both goals in, in one way, shape, or form. Um and then kinda just busy and energetic and and dynamic out that left hand side and, and Fabinho just being Fabinho. So, you know, why do you think this sea change in, in Klopp's kind of mentality? Because We've seen against these games against the top six and, and certainly the, the better Champions League sides that it's it's a staple of, of Henderson, Wijnaldum, and and Milner, and you know those guys hadn't seen much football certainly not as much as they had been in the previous two or three games. So I think we all but expected them to come back in. Yeah, I mean I think
3: we we talked about it quite extensively on the last show. I think uh, we even called it the midfield merry-go-round, and we, we kind of were talking about the difference between those those two sets of three. And, um, yeah, the, the different attributes to have and what you get from one, you lose from the other and all the rest of it. And I think we, we sort of mused on the fact that, you know, I suggested possibly it was a, a bit of a dress rehearsal against Porto and maybe we would see that against Chelsea. But I think we all sort of came down on the side that um, we, we'd probably end up with Klopp going back to his tried and tested. But I don't know, there's, there's maybe another number of factors involved. I suppose you, you can look at the number of games, you can look at the, the Porto game coming up. Um, the shift that Milner put in in midweek, playing out of position, um, but then you can also maybe look at the, the fact that he's maybe been to the well a few. Well, obviously there's there's the fact that Genie's you know needing a rest or has has been having a rest recently and, and looks like he's needed one. You know, maybe club thought that um, I haven't played that midfield against Porto and and the, sense they haven't done so well and and Kaida now. Now looking like he belongs in the team. So I think before when we were saying, Yeah, he's playing better and he you know, he's starting to play himself in the form and stuff, I think there were still parts of his game that we were points in, in the matches where, you know, you would be stressing it to say he'd done particularly well. But I think the last couple of games he, he really has, uh, particularly against against Porto in the build up. And I think with that three we were just saying, you just you get so much from it because Fabinho does the job of the two then. You suddenly have one and two instead of two and one. You know, um, and that's that's quite a bit of a departure for Klopp, really, because he he's never replayed with a you know a destroyer. And of course, Fabinho is more than a destroyer, but he does that that role so well, breaking up the play and, and, and being dominant. And you know, you sort of get the the the, the dovetailing then of of um, Ky- and Henderson working together, but also the way that Kaida links with Mane. I mean, the pair of them are never more than really ten yards apart. I wouldn't say on the pitch and they just work so well together. So you, you get that as well. So, I mean, it, it did, it worked very, very well. Uh, I think they they've got so much confidence in Fabinho and then with, with Van Dijk and Manet behind as well. Uh, and of course, Allison behind that, the spine is just so strong that, um, Henderson and, and Kyda really do feel like they've got the license to kind of take a few more risks and, and get forward. And, um, I think that's really the the difference, you know. We we, are, we mentioned it the last time. It's adding an extra attacker, uh, you know. It's essentially you're playing with the front three, the full backs, and now two in midfield who are joining up, and one of Kyder or Henderson is in the box pretty much consistently. Um, oh, you know, when we we're attacking yesterday, so so yeah, it was a bit of a turn up. I think. Um, as I said, we all kind of maybe thought he was going to go back to try and test it, but it was a pleasant surprise. A bit of a risk, but it certainly paid off, I think. And to have Wijnaldum and Milner sorry to bring on with thirty five minutes to go and and half an hour to go, and just kind of uh, sorry twenty five minutes, half an hour to go, and just shore things up when that was needed was was excellent as well. So yeah, uh, it's nice to have the options, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it it it's just it gives such another dimension to that midfield that we haven't seen in so long. And, you know, Umara, Fabinho really does, as Chief is saying there, give you, give you the platform um, to move forward up the pitch, allow those extra runners into the box and, you know, create space for the front, front three. And Fabinho is just so dominant in that role, you know, his, his physicality, his aerial ability, his ability to cover ground. And, you know, that's not even... Taking into consideration his ability to dominate a game through his, his passing range. Um do you see him now as as that's him now, the number six, and we'll see him there more often than not?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I remember watching Liverpool previously um and just kind of wondering why isn't anyone making any tackles in that middle, you know, before before the danger the opposition players come into the danger area which is obviously our final third I'm thinking why don't we make tackles more at the halfway line or why aren't we stopping things from uh, you know getting into into flow in the first place and this is exactly what he was doing yesterday and what he does anyway you could see he was he's not afraid to put a tackle in he's not afraid to get even a booking Uh, if he needs to take one he'll take one but it kind of it just um, disrupts the opposition and they don't they don't they never get into a rhythm with him around and that's exactly what we've missed i mean henderson did that role for a long time and he sometimes did it well and sometimes he didn't do it so well you know obviously we know that he's divided opinion amongst our fan base but this guy seems to know exactly i mean it's probably you know he's he's done it for many years so he knows exactly what it is he needs to do and how he needs to do it and you know he's really really good at it obviously which helps you know knowing just isn't good you have to ex- execute the what what you have in your head as well so that's really good and you can see that he is kind of the difference there Uh, for me he's always he should always be the first name on the team sheet now I mean alongside obviously the front three that are always there the back five will take care of themselves anyway but I just feel like he needs to he's going to be there 95% of the time now unless there's any injuries but we do have options in midfield so you know you Maybe you'll see um, things change a little bit, but just he's just one of those players that I think that we can build the team around. You know, that spine is working out really nicely now. Henderson moving a bit further forward helps. Um, in general, we all knew that he was much better up there, but f- for whatever reasons, he, he needed to, to play a deeper role. Klopp's talked about that recently as well. So, yeah, Fabinho is just, I think he's that missing link in that midfield. And then you've got now added, beauty or kind of cater coming in with that creativity although there there were times when he looked a bit dodgy in the beginning you know a few misplaced passes and a bit nervous or whatever but he seems to be coming along nicely as well now and then um, you know you can have Wijnald with them you can have Henderson you can have Milner you could. it's really nice to have those options um, there depending on the games and like um, Neil mentioned we've got Porto midweek as well that might have been in his mind so yeah I I love the guy I'm so pleased with him I didn't know much about him when he came to be honest never heard his name I would I don't watch a lot of European football or world football apart from the Premier League so it was um, a bit of an unknown quantity, quantity for me I'd heard great things but you know you never really know until they actually come because it doesn't matter what you've done abroad it always matters what you do when you wherever you're going and a different league and all the kind of things we've heard it makes a difference different culture different language blah blah blah, but yeah he's settling in really nicely and I think that he's going to be um, I hope he just I hope he stays for years and years and just carries on doing what he's doing.
0: Yeah, it's um it, we're we're in great shape in the middle of the park, uh, in the in the middle of the park there and you know the the midfield there saying Twitter's now probably having some sort of identity crisis over Jordan Henderson. Um, they don't know what to do with themselves. They're not sure how to how to process all of this information that they're getting right now. But in an attacking sense, he really contributed to putting that team ahead and has done over the last three games. He's contributed right up at the top end of the pitch. What do you think he gives, you know, not only from, from his own his own delivery and his own ability to influence the game directly, but his movement and the the men, the 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 runs into the box that that Chief was mentioning earlier on, how do you think that then helps facilitate the front three? Because I thought Salah and Mane in particular were like a- absolute dynamite, the pair of them. Um and they just seemed to have a little bit more, a little bit more freedom and a little bit more room to operate in.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, he was I mean, so he already has a lot of energy and, you know, over the years, when you think of um, midfielders generally, you know, they kind of reach their peak, their maturity, like to in their late 20s, approaching their 30s. And, you know, the, this man, you know, he, he was given the um, one of the biggest tasks of managing, you know, of, of captaining um, one of the biggest football clubs and, you know, taking over from Steven Gerrard. And, you know, as soon as he was about to hit his more mature years, he had to play a role, which he had never played uh, regularly before um, uh, during his career. And, um, you know, he couldn't really show his leadership skills, I don't think, as well when when he was playing in that position, you know. I feel like he had um, so much um, energy that he had to withhold just to make sure he was playing it safe and then, you know, He's been criticized along the way. You know, people question whether he's even fit enough to be the captain, you know, when Virgil is there and all this kind of stuff. But, of course, um, that's all bullshit talk because we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes and how big of an influence he is. But, you know, when when he had the opportunity to play further forward, you could just see how well he channels his energy. Like, um, his work rate is immense and he can... He's a proper box-to-box midfielder. He'll come back, defend, and he'll, he'll... bomb back forward all you you'll see him in a flash making late runs into the box i think that's one of the most important things because i mean we, he's he's pretty good with through balls and he's not bad with crossing either you know he he's um he got his assist again uh w- after making a brilliant run but he also makes the late runs into the box which kind of makes it very hard to deal with because he's uh, running from deep mostly and uh when he's on the right overlapping with trent that also you know the left back does he um, um, uh, look for the opposition fullback or does he look out for Salah? Does he watch Henderson? You know, it, it's just an extra player which has to distract one of the defenders and then that creates space for whoever has the ball on the right-hand side. So it's it's definitely very crucial and most importantly, he brings all his passion and, you know, he, he wants to... You could see with the way he celebrated the goals and everything, you know, he wants those people to know that he's the captain of Liverpool Football Club and he will do all he can to bring that league title back. So it's it's just brilliant from him seeing him play with so much passion uh, in his favourite position and it seems like it won't be changing anytime soon. No, it's um
0: it's just another real piece of armoury we now have on our hands. And to be fair, Chief, I thought Chelsea were... I thought Chelsea were actually quite good. Aye, um, they were. You they know, were the, the, I thought they were good. You know, they've been they've been up and down, and you know their away record to the top half sides has been much maligned. But you know they showed up there, and you know after that performance, I'd be pretty convinced that they're they're going to be the, the the team to get the fourth spot at the end of the season. But all in all, it was just it was just a really grown up performance from the Reds. Um, you know, apart from that weird crazy six or seven minutes when Hazard switched out the left and we kind of didn't really adapt to Higuain coming on and 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 Hazard having that little bit of extra freedom um, to float in off the left-hand side. But all in all, it was it was just... I, I hate using the word mature, but I don't really know what other way to put it. I think it was
3: assured, almost. I mean, first half, you're watching it and, you, you know... When, when you look you look back now and you know the score and how it panned out, you, you could say that the whole thing was an assured, professional, kind of measured performance. Liverpool dominated the first half, certainly in terms of possession and, and the balance of play. Didn't really create that much, but I think there were one or two chances, but certainly Chelsea were very much there. Not, not just to sit in and park the bus or anything, but they were very much concerned with containing Liverpool, blocking off passing lanes or or, or making it very tight so that, uh, yeah, if you wanted to get something through, it, would have, it had to be excellent. It had had to be pinpoint. So they always turn up at Anfield. Hazard played played all right, played well, actually, um, given that he's playing through the middle and he, he's on record as saying that he doesn't like playing through the middle. And, you know, it's quite well documented by Chelsea fans and stuff that that he, he much pre- prefers playing and playing wide, he gets more touches of the ball. He prefers to come deep and pick the ball up and so on and so forth. But he still played well there. I mean, he played well enough to get a few few uh, to get kicked up in the air a few times in the first half by by our defenders. Um, I think Liverpool just played well. Liverpool are now better than Chelsea. Um, I think man for man, one to eleven. I'm not pick. My first team Liverpool eleven Hazard doesn't even get in it. He might be first sub, and he's their best player. He so. is. He is. He is brilliant.
0: He is brilliant. But where are you playing him? No, you're not playing him. You're. You're absolutely right. You're not that, playing him. That, he's maybe. It. He's maybe getting fifteen league starts a season. The best. Yeah, he's a
3: brilliant, brilliant player, and he he he'd probably score goals in any team. But for us, perhaps a bit like the Coutinho, Coutinho player, a bit, a bit, a bit of a luxury you know? Um, so an excellent, excellent player, no doubt about that. But at the moment, he wouldn't be in, 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 in Liverpool's first 11. I wouldn't have thought the way we play and, and, and so on. Uh, so I just think we're, we're better than them 1 to 11. Um, and I think that it showed. I think we flip up a gear or flick up a gear, uh, switch up a gear, whatever you want to say after halftime. There's no doubt we we'll get two goals in what, eight minutes after halftime? And two, in, is it, how quickly did
0: they come? Two and three minutes or something after the first one. Yeah, in? I think there's like a ho- I think there's less than three minutes between them.
3: Yeah, I am still celebrating
2: the money, goal I missed the. I ceremony. know what I'm
0: still <laughs> so coming
3: because because at the same time, while you can look back afterwards and say that it was a measure of professional performance, you could also at nil nil at halftime be going, "Fuck, we were on top there. We could have done with scoring." Um, you know, let's hope. Second half goes Grant. I mean, you're, you're pretty pretty confident because we're attacking the cup in the second half. We've been better in the second half. We've got all the staffs on our side, blah, 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 blah. But you could have made a case for, for being slightly nervous, perhaps, at halftime. But looking back, as I said, with the benefit of, of having seen the second half, you would say the first half was, was simply a prelude. And um, Liverpool got the measure at Chelsea, began to assert their dominance, and then within within five minutes of the re- or eight minutes of the restart, they've they've taken the game away from Chelsea. Yeah, apart from that little spell where you're absolutely right, they switch. Hazard goes back to where he wants to play, uh, even though he's sort of been drifting most of the game. But but now he's got a, a foil in in Higuain and and somebody to take. Um, the the attention a little bit away from him, so he, he gets in a couple of times and he should absolutely score. There's no doubt, especially the first one. He should he should bury it. And if that goes in, two one like a minute and a half after we go two 0 then you know then maybe things do get a, a bit more nervous. But as it as it goes, if you want to win league titles? You need that bit of luck. And, and normally normally in these situations, when in my lifetime anyway, Liverpool haven't had it. So
0: it's out. funny it's funny because that it kind of reminded me of Mane's one at, at, at the Eriad
3: yeah when he goes through and, and it's just it's trickling and it's an empty net pretty much and, you, and you, but you can just see that it's not going to go in
0: yeah you can see almost right away that you're thinking oh it's not going to go in but then you're kind of wondering where's it going to go after it hits the yeah. post yeah. Um, unfortunately it pops out and then you know, it's not just Hazard's other chance either. Um, it's there's, I think there's one flashed across the goal as well that Trent gets something on at the back post. And they do cause... They do know, cause a couple of scary moments, yeah. And it's one of those that
3: if one of those goes in, then you could be talking about something different. But because none of them do, you're just like, ah, you can sort of, you know, not laugh them off, but sort of, you know, talk about them with that that smug comfort of knowing that, it didn't matter Nothing, nothing actually happened. So you can sort of not belittle them, but, you know, take away a little bit of their, their relevance and their importance. But, yeah, I think, I think we were better. I think it showed. And just a, a tiny point on Hen, uh, Jordan Henderson, I think it's it's brilliant that he's getting to do that now um, in this run-in. He's getting to play the number eight role because it is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a full circle for him from, from 2014, 13, 14, being the only one that's really left. Um, and and being injured for the for the crucial, or suspended for the crucial part of that run-in and not get to play against Chelsea and he was playing the number eight that season as well uh, or certainly plenty of games there so brilliant to see him come back in and actually really contributing and, and as Cheng has said, you know, really playing that captain's role so all good.
0: Good, yes, well said Chief. Um, so I'm you know, we talked about that crazy you know, six or seven minutes there but realistically, you know, that's that sort of thing would worry if it was happening two, three times a game. But it was really just that little patch after we scored. And, you know, they did change it, but it, it didn't take us that long to get the grips with, with what they did. Maybe not as maybe not as soon as we would have liked, but certainly not not a significant length of time. But, you know, based all around that was Van Dyke. But Joe Maddox was like a fucking animal, wasn't he? He was clattering everybody. He was, he, he was like honestly like a man possessed. And I've, I've said for, I've said for a few months now that I, I always feel Manup's a much better defender. But he kind of looks like he's, he's pissed off or fed up, um, and he adds up a bit of physicality to his, to his game. But you know he's essentially at the start of the season our our fourth choice centre half. He's really contributed these last two three months.
2: Yeah, he's he's really stepped up when we needed him because we had obviously Gomez was injured and then Lovren was injured as well. So he, there was just there was no other choice. So, but he's done really well. On his, yeah, yeah, he's done really well since he's come in. He's um, there's always that kind of I don't like to say it, but it there, there's always that side note of anyone looks good against Van Dyke because he kind of takes on the majority of the work and he's the kind of the aggressor and Matip in the past was kind of always maybe criticized for being a little bit too passive and 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 wasn't on the front foot whereas you know the or the opposite can be said for Lovren so um he has definitely stepped up but it's difficult because Van Dyke does take a lot of it on himself. But when obviously when he's needed when we've needed him in those last ditch moments, he's he's had um he's made some really crucial blocks and tackles and whatever he's needed to do. So yeah, it, it he's definitely stepped upped his game uh when we've needed him. Um so yeah, I mean yeah, and yesterday as well with that when you're talking about that crazy kind of whatever minute, however many minutes it was after the the after we went 2-0 up it was really important for him and Van Dyke to kind of keep everyone calm because it did look like, to me, it felt like it was a, a little bit of a flashback to when we used to panic sometimes when we used to concede. Obviously we'd gone a couple of goals ahead this time, but we were, it looked like we were panicking and, we were quite lucky in the fact that, obviously, Hazard's first um, attempt hit the post. Because if that had gone in, as as Neil said, it could have been a whole different story. And then he had it the, straight away. He had, the, he had the chance as well. So it was a little bit worrying, but we managed to keep it steady enough um, and weathered that little bit sort of storm that we had. Um, but, yeah, we just, a couple of calm heads can also you know, can, can easily steady the ship and that's exactly what happened. We, we had to just get through that five or ten minutes or whatever it was um, without conceding because I think conceding and then heads drop and then, you know, everyone gets a little bit anxious and the crowd gets anxious and it's all quite contagious, isn't it? So, yeah, tip definitely has been a huge part of what we've been doing the last few months. Yeah. Um, Lovren's come, come back in the last game, so I don't know if he's going to maybe try and rotate the two or what he's going to do. Van Dijk is obviously never going to ever, ever leave Never, um, ever, never be, never be injured, ever, ever, and yeah, yeah. are yeah. gonna have to put some Wolverine kind of genes in him, so that he, ch- um, yeah. So that he regenerates every night and, and never gets injured. But with him, I, I reckon
0: they just, I reckon they just chuck him in a fridge after the game
2: <laughs> <yeah>.
0: and just, <laughs> with a, just defrost him on a fucking Saturday morning and send him yeah. out for a warm up.
2: Exactly. I think with Van Dyke, if Van Dyke's fit and one hundred percent, everything's possible with this team. <laughs> you know, anyone That's could could. Play alongside uh,
0: him. Yeah, it, yeah, it would be, but I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for putting the money towards it. Um, it's, um, you know, I, I you, you've got a point there, Van Dyke. It's, it's just so dominant, and I do think Manup's probably a better foil for him than Lovren because Lovren, I think we all have our thoughts on Lovren. I and mean, when Lovren's good, he is good. He's very good, but then when he's bad, he's bloody awful. But he is very, very front foot, and Madoff's not quite as aggressive in that manner. Um, and I've talked certainly about the negative impacts of that, but I think he has a tendency to, you know, be a little bit more intelligent and a little bit less impulsive and step off whenever he needs to when Van Dyke does step out to win the ball um, in case on the rare occasion that it is passed around him. So, you know, you can not essentially say that Van Dyke does make him look good in that regard, but I still feel like there's an additional security there
2: I In think those it's two... Meant- Sorry, I just think it's um, where the pressure's off as well when you know that you've got Van Dyke there. I mean, he's t- Van Dyke just takes the pressure so brilliantly. He's the one he knows. He knows he's the main man. Everyone's talking about it. He knows it, the way he talks. He's so confident. He knows Yeah, he's the he thrives guy.
0: on it, though. Yeah, he thrives, he thrives on, on that, it. And it but makes him a better player.
2: T- yeah, so Lovren and Matip, maybe not so much. And then when they've had to maybe be the, the kind of leader, they, they've crumbled under the pressure. And together, they didn't work, Matip and Lovren, uh, but Lovren and Van Dijk did work for quite a long time in the back end of last season in that Champions League run in the sort of heart, second half of last season. Um, they did work uh, with Lovren, like you said, he's very front footed. When it works, it, it looks amazing and it's brilliant. And when it doesn't, it's terrible. That's the problem with that kind of defending. And Matip, like I said, he always used to keep, uh, seem a little passive and he used to back off, back off, back off. So. I don't know, Van Dyke just balances the whole team out, doesn't he? So maybe he just he maybe he maybe he he knows, you know, like he's very clever. We saw it against I can't remember what team it was Tottenham, when um Sissoko was through and then, you know, they said that he was being intelligent by not letting Sissoko pass to Sons, because obviously Son would have buried that chance. So maybe he knows his his partner's weaknesses and he he plays according to them and that's his that's the way he uses his footballing intelligence and he can adapt. So to be fair, basically all we're saying is that it's just Van Dyke. Van Dyke could play on his own, one centre back.
3: (laughs) It is a unit, like it's a partnership. Obviously, Atibin and and Van Dyke, and they seem to have developed a you know a good understanding. But as I right, you say Lovren hasn't been that bad there whenever he's played either. And, and they've managed to, to create a, a decent partnership. But it, it's it's the whole unit, really, isn't it? I mean, Trent and, and Rob are involved as well. Yeah. I was yeah. in front. And they just work for each other. And, you know, the number of clean sheets this season speaks for itself. Uh, yeah, the
2: te- team seems to be a lot more balanced now. You remember in the past when, when we did have Lovren in that, Left side, and then we had Moreno next to him. Well, that, and that was a flipping team car team. crash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you know, now you've you've got um, Robertson on that side, and and you've got what's his name on the other side, Alexander Arnold <laughs> when he's fit. And uh, there's been a few rotations there, but not too many. So that the full-backs have really helped balance the team out. And then you've got Mid Fabinho coming in. So it's all kind of clicking now, isn't it?
3: Absolutely, and and they all know. They all know what they're supposed to be doing, and they all know each other's game. And you know,
0: you're really starting to see that now. Uh, And
3: then
2: you've got Salah doing defensive work as well. That was amazing.
0: Well, this is the thing, you know. (laughs) This is the thing. I think you know you've you've got you've got Van Dijk there, and he. You can see you can see how much he demands of players around him. When he's you know tearing people a new one when they've switched off for a second, or you know maybe they haven't quite done the right thing in the right moment, Um, and. It's not just the back four; it's, it's the rest of the team as well. And as fans, we demand loads, loads, and particularly <coughs> of of Mo Salah and Sengis. You can't really demand the sort of thing that he did there in, in the fifty third minute. You can't even really, you can't even realistically have an expectation for it. That is something that is right up at the top end of world
1: class. I mean it's 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 hard to describe isn't it? I mean how do you even describe that it is just an absolute wonder goal an absolute banger he I mean he hit that ball with all the anger that he had channeled out and then he he found Zen uh, as we all saw so it w- it was just a moment of absolute top-drawer brilliance from a world-class player who you know uh, I think in general, everyone's been everyone's done a good job in kind of um, not giving any airtime to any disrespectful um, uh, individuals. Uh, but you know, I think that was what a way to send a message. You know, uh, it, it, that goal—it it, was—it was power. It was determination. They had, they asked him um, after the game, like you know, oh, what, what what were you thinking? I was like, I wasn't thinking anything. I was I just felt it. So he, you know, he he just had that um, uh, that space in front of him, and he said, you know, oh, why the fuck not? And boom, no, ain't nobody stopping that. Absolutely, not a single goalkeeper is getting their hands on that rocket. And um, you know, it, it meant so much to everyone. You you could see right after that goal, especially the whole stadium was absolutely rocking, and it it was just. Uh, the, the faces of every single person uh, you could see from uh, each angle. And, oh, oh, the way that he struck the ball, by the way, you could actually see the logo, the uh, the Nike logo, uh, because the ball is, like, not spinning at all. It's absolutely floating. And uh, the, the goalkeeper just turns around and has a look at the ball as it's hitting the net. And, uh it was, it was a moment of absolute delirium.
0: Yeah, and the ball hardly moves, right? It's because it's just such a pure strike it's it's it just catches it absolutely perfectly and you know as soon as it leaves his boot that it's only ending up in one place
1: absolutely and that's that's what this man is all about you know and people talk about him being um a one season wonder and all that and he's not he's not hitting the heights of last season he's joint top goal scorer with aguero now and aguero's hurt with a knee so um, you know, I I, I said um, a few podcasts back. You know, like when Salah had the time off from international duty, um, it you know it, it finally gave him the rest he deserved. You know, after having such a tough um, you know into the Champions League final, followed by the World Cup. You know, going straight back in the league and with the national team and whatnot. So you know he had his break, and you know he's back and firing. And you know if if he keeps on scoring. Um, I can can see him scoring in every game he plays uh, from now until the end of the season, almost.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's an old cliche, but strikers are generally confidence players, and and when their confidence is high, they feel like they can do anything, and and generally the world-class ones do. And, Chief, to me, there seems to be a feeling that this team is actually now... I know it sounds daft of four league games left, but they're now starting to hit some form of some form of not perfection, but like that real momentum, not just in not just in results, but in performance. And you've got Henderson now making a completely different contribution to he was earlier on this season season, which is given given teams something that they had. You know, teams have been looking at maybe 40 games. At Liverpool, um, trying to work out how to play them, and all of a sudden we have a br- like a pretty much a brand new midfield that they have a a, a tiny sample size to go away and try and analyse. That's including the the contribution that the has made in his goals and performances. Fabinho is now starting to really dominate that that holding midfield role. Genie's finally getting a rest. You've got Gomez and o- Gomez on the bench there, Oxley, Chamberlain, you know, playing behind closed doors friendlies, and and Sawa coming into that sort of form now after you know those two goals and that performance against Porto, and Mane just continuing to score like really decisive goals. Carragher had something on on Monday Night Football there um, about the the goals that he'd scored and, and the fact that. I think he'd scored the first goal in something like 10 of the last... He'd scored the opening goal in something like 10 of the last 13 matches. And that's the type of thing Salah was doing at the first half of the season. And that other stat was thrown around where we go ahead, you know, nine times out of 10, we win the match and we go ahead. And with four games at the end of the season, you, you pretty much think we'd win those games regardless. But how much of a bearing, considering we've got Porto coming up, does that type of thing feed into our Champions League run? Because it, we did seem to try it, to kind of run out of steam moving towards the final.
3: Yeah, I think it was a totally different season, though. Um, you know, we we had a, a thinner squad, fewer players that uh, to, to call on, and uh, we weren't as good, essentially. We were 20, 25-odd points behind Man City, um, we needed a win on the last day to guarantee top four, not that it was any real trouble in the end, but we still had to get the points on the last day. Um, and it, we, we kind of put our eggs a, a little bit more in the Champions League basket because I don't think any of us were expecting, I think we we're all expecting to to, to do quite well and, and punch our weight, at least in the Champions League, but I don't think uh, and it was really expected at the beginning of last season that we'd be in the Champions League final. So as that began to unfold and we we started to look like mustard in, in Europe, I think uh, the league, especially with us only going for top four, kind of you know uh, was relegated slightly. But it had to be in, uh, due to the to the na- to, to the very fact that we didn't have the numbers, uh, certainly not the strength and depth
1: didn't
3: really compete on on both fronts. And you know. There's, there's a lot of things that are coming into play here. I mean, you're talking about as Salah hitting his form now and, and scoring goals, and uh, Mane obviously doing, uh, making the important contributions, but also you know playing really well. But um, you know, the, Liverpool. I think a lot of it is to do with conditioning, is, is what I'm driving at. I think Liverpool were set up to peak, and have been set up to peak twice this season. And the first peak was was over the Christmas period. Uh, when the games come thick and fast, and club void after the first season, never really to get uh, to get tripped up by that again, and to make sure because I think he's, he's rightly identified that, that is a, you, you can't necessarily win the game or win the league in, in that part of the season, but you can definitely lose it. So we were set up to the peak then, and we won what was it ten games in a row? I think over Christmas, something ridiculous. Uh, we were unbeaten in ages going into the city game. Of course, we lost that one. We all know about that. But um, that was us peaking. And we we had a little dip afterwards. Went away then for a couple of weeks of warm weather training. Um, And by, you know, by all accounts, we've been set up to peak for the run-in. And it looks like that's what's happening because we are getting stronger. Um, We look stronger now than we did three weeks ago, four weeks ago. There's no getting away from that. Uh, you know, we had a couple of stuttering results, a couple of draws coming back off the back of the, the second warm weather training, or the first one, one of them anyway. And we were all saying, oh, well, you know, we'll probably get to see the benefits later on in the season. Well, we're starting to see the benefits. So when when we were at our peak form earlier in the season, Salo was our best player. He's scoring pretty much every game, a goal a game. He was at his best form in the season. Um, he had a slight dip again there, didn't score in a few games, still contributing, of course, but, you know, all the talk is when Salah going to score, uh, if only he would hit his form. Well, last two league games, he scored two absolute worldies, and he's back, he's dominating games again. Uh, it, for me, he was, he was up there for man of the match yesterday, even before the goal, and, and after the goal, you've just got to give it to him. Um, but it's it, it's it's all of them kind of hitting form at the right time. Yeah, that's, that's a bit of a godsend, but obviously he's, you know his his physical condition is such that he can contribute now fully, and you know it's just clicking a wee bit more. And all of them look strong, as you say. Um, Oxide Chamberlain's coming back from injury. I don't know how much of a feature he will be this season, but everything is positive. Gomez is back on the bench. Um Even, even the most illness-prone centre back of all time, Dejan Lover, is, is pushing for 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 a start uh, here and there. So.
0: So, yeah, it, is, it I is, know, so- Dan- Daniel is... Daniel Sturridge is actually on a football pitch, pitch for fuck's sake. So, if yeah. that doesn't tell you yeah. things are going well, I don't know what is.
3: He <laughs>
0: contribute and,
3: and happy to contribute. So, I mean, it, it's it's only positive at the moment for Liverpool. And I don't want to get too carried away. But, you know, you would have to feel that we are in, to use a cloppism, we're in a very good moment. And you, you'd hope that we could ride that uh, that wave now and really go on and achieve something. Uh, special this, this season but what I'm trying to say is I don't think it's, it's it's by accident you know that we are hitting four now that we are starting to peak now that we do have other goals to go into now and perhaps whereas Man City are perhaps at the ends of their energy reserves and kind of calling on the on the last few you know last few leaders last few gallons in the in the tank I think Liverpool have got more to go so we'll just see how it all pans out but it's only, as it, I can't get away from it, it's only good. And for the Champions League as well, it's better, it, you know, because obviously that's the last game of the season, so it drags on a bit longer, but we look in good shape. And it's not a case now where if they did foul Salah in the final and he had to go off after half an hour, it wouldn't be like it was last season. We wouldn't be looking to bring on Lalana on, uh, to, re, to replace him, for example. We, we've got the strength and depth, and we've got, I think, the energy in the tank.
0: Yeah, it's it's without Kempton faded, it, it's kind of culminating in that, you know, off talked about but whispered perfect storm, and, and that's it. Yeah, it's all kind of
3: coming together.
0: Yeah, um, and and there's all these little all these little signs pointing towards towards big things ahead. And it's it's, it's funny. Chief talks about the the conditioning there. and watching the team kind of find that absolute peak fitness where everything's kind of working for them. And I don't think that that's I don't think that's epitomized in, in any other player more so than Firmino. And it seems to be I don't I suppose this is this is the 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 question, the unanswerable question. Are Liverpool at their best when Firmino is at his best or does he function better when the team is playing better around him? Or does Klopp just design the entire team's fitness training around Firmino.
2: I don't know if Klopp gives him that much importance. I know that at one point he, lo- he does
0: love him. Like, he, he, loves he does him love so much. him, yeah.
2: But I don't think he would design the whole team's performance around him. I d- I don't know. Maybe no. That
0: was that was only a bit of a wee joke, actually. But. Oh,
2: okay, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously him at his best is just just that's what we need, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm I think that him. At his best obviously brings out the best in, in everyone else around him as well because when he makes those runs, he gives the the others a space. But they they all do that for each other though. It's not just Firmino; Mane will do it, and, and Salah will do it, um, and even the midfield will do it. So it's Firmino obviously is vitally important because he's just that talented. I mean, he did something uh, on again in in the Chelsea match, and it didn't quite come off. It was a I don't know it was come some kind of skill that he didn't wasn't able to pull off and he just and I remember turning and saying to my son I was like and anyone else wouldn't get got away with that but because it's Firmino, he can he's just he could make one of those stupid mistakes and it just doesn't look that bad with him. Is that um, guy he, is
0: that guy that you know that says stuff that nobody else would get away with saying. Yeah
2: <laughs> so it's just he, he can just do it um you know, the silly no look things that he does and, and the little flicks and tricks and things. It's kind of, I don't know, I think it's just in his Brazilian blood, isn't it? But it just, it doesn't look that bad when it doesn't, he doesn't quite come off either. So um, yeah, he, he's, um, he's obviously, he's always chipping in with goals and in, with the assists and it's, there's no ego in that team as well. I mean, you can, you can, you can get that sometimes with, successful forwards, you know, there's they'll have a little bit of, you know, I want to do it. I mean, you, you might see it in, you see it in Salah sometimes, you know, he wants to score, but I, I don't think that's anything. It's not, it's not, it's not a greed kind of thing. It's not because he wants it for himself. He just wants to, you know, he just, he's not scored for a few games and he wants to score and he's desperate to score. Sometimes you might feel that he's being a bit greedy, but you don't, you just don't feel that with the rest of the other, the Mane and Firmino and They all kind of help each other out. It's kind of, it's just, it's so, it's a fantastic machine that works so well together. You know, even one of them, when they're not playing well, you can notice the difference. But like you just said as well, if, you know, one of them isn't available now, we do have the strength to be able to, you know, at least... 70 80 cover, cover them up, and obviously not 100. You know, if you've got a couple of world class forwards, you are going to have a little bit of a drop off in form, but not that, um, uh, you know, drop off a cliff edge that we had last season when you know you rightly mentioned that Lalana had to come on for um, most line the Champions League final, which was a complete just disaster, really, wasn't it? But, um, they all just complement each other so brilliantly, and um, yeah, Firmino's just when he's at his best, you know, you can tell, you can tell the difference in the whole team. And when he's not quite at his best, you can also, you, you can, you can kind of notice it, but not to the extent where you think, you know, the team's going to suffer too much, but you know, you, you like you said, you can tell when he's playing really well that the team is benefited a lot more. So, yeah, I think he's, um, he's again, you know, he's, he's one of those important players that you just, can't see past he's always going to be one of those players that start um every game
0: kind of went under the radar on on Sunday I thought due to the, the other two guys getting the goals um and then some other standout performances in the pitch but I thought he was I thought he was absolutely everywhere um and I know we we bang on about oh he, he wins the ball back and you know I I kind of get this I kind of get I don't know what do you think, Sengis, but I, I kind of feel that that's it's kind of understated by everyone. It's kind of seemed as like, oh well, anyone can do that. He's just like works a bit harder than other people. But there's so much more to it in the way that he in the way that he almost sets traps for people um, and comes on their blind side and nicks the ball. And even when he even once he does that, he already knows what he's going to do with it. Um, and he's so inventive in his play as well, but particularly on Sunday there, I thought his work off the ball and his winning of the ball back and, and pressing and harrying, uh, particularly Jorginho, was absolutely brilliant.
1: I mean, listen, uh, we're we're talking about our centre forward um, who was initially um, playing in other positions during his development and um, at, at at the professional level as well. He was mainly an attacking midfielder or playing on the right-hand side. And uh, Jurgen Klopp decided to, you know, you know, he, he saw all the different kind of attributes that he had, you know, his work rate. Obviously, he likes to drop back in and defend and um, help out the team. Uh, you know, he's robust. He can, um, uh, He they obviously know about his injury history. I don't think he's ever had any um, uh, significant injuries or any sort of extended timeout. Um, you know, it, it, he's, he's not the quickest, but he's not the slowest as well. He has all the skills. Um, he can dribble past players. He can, he has moments of magic, uh, through balls. You know, he's really good on the counter attack as well. His, his first touch his control. Um, you know, he, he has the, he has the full lot. And, you know, I mean, think about Eden Hazard, who's been talked about, especially recently uh, during the build up to the game as, you know, one of the best ever, one of the most talented um, uh, players to have ever played in the Premier League and all this kind of stuff. And he comes out and says that he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't want to play up front and he doesn't enjoy playing up front and ta-da-da. And you have Roberto Firmino, who, who is our center forward, and he is he is the true false nine. There is no better definition of a false nine. He is um, the best at it and the... If I mean, if 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 you're if you're a young footballer aspiring to be a false nine, if if that's even a thing, just watch Roberto Firmino because he is um, the perfect man for it. He has the complete package, you know. He has engine. He has work rate, and it's not just about the work rate itself. It's how he he knows where to make the runs. He's incredibly intelligent, so he blind spots players and he just nicks the ball off of them and the the least when you expect him he's there and he gets a uh, um, a foot in and he's just absolutely brilliant in whatever he does and he also you know gets the goals he's great in the air absolutely fantastic player and you know it's it's whoever you put in place of Roberto Firmino even if they do get a goal during that game they won't have contributed to our general team play as much as he would have uh, during 90 minutes even if he wouldn't have scored so that's, that that just that just explains his importance and uh, w- what a brilliant player we have in our hands.
0: Yeah, um, I'd echo those sentiments eternally. To be honest, I think it's worth noting um, after calling that performance, a, you know, a, a grown-up performance on Sunday. That there's probably more narrative around that game than any other game in the last ten years. It's. Absolutely massive. You've got the the history between Liverpool and Chelsea with the Champions League. You've got people using the term slip incessantly over the last fucking week. Never mind the number of times it was like slip bingo with fucking Martin Tyler on Sunday. Um never mind never mind match of the day and whatever else. Obviously it was the the thirtieth anniversary of, of the Hillsborough disaster and, and Klopp would have had them certainly at, at the memorial and a lot of fans would have been Around the memorial before the games. And there was so much emotion around that fixture. And you could hear it in the stadium as well. And I think the players, just their professionalism and, and Chief, you said it, around their, their self assuredness was absolutely unbelievable. I just don't think it's quite been talked about enough. Um, because if that's not playing under pressure, um, and then throwing in, obviously, the, the title race in the way it is at the moment as well, where any kind of drop point seems critical. Um, it's just, I cannot um, compliment the, the team high enough for that and, and the state of mind that they're in right now. And, see, it's on to Porto next. Um, it's a 2-0 lead from the first leg with another fairly, fairly, Assured performance and they have a couple of guys back. And I know I know they've got Hector Herrera back, who I think is a very good player, fucking animal in the middle of the park, and um the pain in the ass that was Morega seems to have recovered from his illness as well. He got a goal at the weekend. So um do you think it'll be the do you think it'll be the 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 doomsday midfield, as they say? And you know, do you, do you expect they'll cause us more more problems over there than the Anfield? Potentially,
3: potentially, but
0: uh, pretty
3: confident. I have to say, um, we may see a return to. I mean, I would imagine when Alderman Milner start, given that Jimmy uh, sat out the last two and's bound to be suitably rested now. And you'd you'd say he's probably def- well, is is definitely in his in his first choice three, and I think he'd probably want to get. Milner on the pitch, uh, as he likes to in in big games. Uh, A European quarterfinal away is is definitely a big game. God knows. Sure, what he do in midfield? We we never quite get it right, do we? Um, It wouldn't be a surprise, really, whichever one that he picked. It seems logical that he would go back to, to the three that we said, the Milner, Wijnaldum, Henderson, because he's used that primarily away in the Champions League this season, although not... To such great effect, but I think it was that three that started against Bayern, wasn't it? Away in Bayern, I'm sure. I'm sure Yeah, it was before he, yeah, it was before I'm Henderson sure it off injured. And they played very, very well. But Henderson went off injured early, of course, and, and and Fabinho came on. So essentially I suppose Fabinho played that game. So yeah, it wouldn't be a, a huge shock whoever he puts in there. As for Porto causing more problems, potentially, I mean, Telez, the left back, was just about past fit for the last game, and he, he looked like a shadow of himself in that match. Yeah, uh, I expected more from him. I think he's a very good player. Absolutely. I mean, there, there was all the talk that, you know, everything goes through him. He's their playmaker. He's their set-piece taker. He's got the wand of the left foot, all, all this kind of stuff. We, we really saw very little of him, apart from him getting roasted by, uh, I think, Mo Salah on the night. Yeah. Um, so, potentially, they've got, they've got players that, that, that they've got good players, you know. Um, but they're in a very, very difficult position. Uh, I think it's on a number of you know, because of a number of factors. I mean, there's the fact that um, they've got no away goal, uh, they're two nil behind. Um, so
0: they need, they need the two score. nil down, two nil down is an awful scoreline to take exactly, home. it so really they, is.
3: They can't hang in and hope to get one later on and push it to extra time. You know, They need two to do that, and they need two without reply to do that. So trying to pitch that if you're Porto or if you're Sergio Conte side to his team, it's pretty fucking hard. Um, you have to get it just right. If Liverpool score, you can't see Porto going through. I can't anyway. I, I, I don't see his conceding four goals. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think we've conceded four goals all season. And I don't, it seems unlikely that we would do it now. So there's that, but there's also the added factor that they've got, they've got us burnt into their nightmares from last season. Um, And even from the first game, because there was a point, and I'm pretty, pretty positive. The point comes when, when our, uh, when when Manny puts that one in, that's just disallowed for offside. I think the manager and the players go right we're not getting beat five here. So we're just shutting this game down. And there was really nothing really came of note after that. And I think they, they still have that here because they don't want, they the last thing they want is to come out and have a go first 10 and find themselves two 0 down, <laughs> you know, and that could quite easily happen. It happened to them in, the, in their own backyard last season. The pressure's also going to be on them a little bit more to actually be a bit more expansive. Uh, to take a bit of the initiative, especially with the scoreline being as it is, especially with the way their home fans are used to seeing them dominate the Portuguese League and, and, and generally uh Cups and 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 to a decent standard of uh at a European level every year as well in the group stages and so on. It's very, very difficult for them if 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 I'm a Porto player, I'm not looking forward to this game. I think you're on a pretty much on a high into nothing. There is there is the outside chance that you have a fairy tale night and everything goes perfectly and you win three 0 and go through three two on aggregate. But a lot of different things have to happen for that to come together. I mean, the stars really need to align in in a peculiar uh, in a peculiar fashion for that to really stand any chance of happening. So um, yeah, I don't I I don't think it's going to be easy. I think Liverpool have to turn up. And you know, I have to we'll have to put in a professional performance, but they shouldn't um they shouldn't not qualify from this position and I would imagine, I would back them as a betting man to win on the night as well.
0: Okay, loads of positive teeth. I like it. However, um, are you worried about our, our our Champions League away form. Um obviously notwithstanding the the away game because you know, great result, great performance on the night, but proud of that we've been pretty poor away from home um does that concern you at all or have we turned that corner do you think
2: well why why not withstanding the buying result we should take that buying result and yeah go forward with it forget what happened last year (laughs) now um i you know look um anything happened we've seen that in the champions league you've seen People uh, teams turn around two, three goal deficits even, so it's possible, of course it's possible, and Porto apparently you have a decent home record, but can't see us not scoring, and if, you know, we kept, like Neil said, we've kept a clean sheet, which was really important, which is always important in the Champions League, um, which is what got us through that buy-in tie, having the nil-nil the at Anfield, so that in itself is a huge advantage, so Yeah, something weird has to happen. I can't see us not scoring. Um, And then, you know, that to me puts anything to bed Then they're going to have to score a few more. So I'm not too worried, which is probably it's not a comfortable feeling, actually, (laughs) because normally I'm, I'm, you know, I'm nervous before games, but. It is what it is. If they're going to knock us out and they're going to have to play an amazing lights out football, then so so be it. Then too good. That that's my kind of attitude, and I, I don't see it. But yeah, I, I'm not too concerned. I don't like to look at what happened five, four or five months ago when we were in playing Champions League games in last year. Now, um, the Bayern away game should give us a big boost now to to think that. To, to get that out of our head now that we had some really bad results in the away games last year, but um yeah, knocking Bayern out should should really help with that now. So I don't I don't see any issues. She says, <laughs> but, but you never know. That's the thing. Um, but I'm I'm not too concerned. I'm not too concerned.
0: That's a solid fucking answer, rooms. So I like it. <laughs> okay. Well, no, you,
2: you have you you have to you know consider every everything.
0: No, I, I I But I, I
2: said I'm not
0: concerned, yeah. Yeah, that's why I asked the question, because I think we do have to consider everything. But, oh. I, you know, <laughs> I, I do I do largely agree with, agree with the pair the you. See, I guess it was very profound yesterday in my thinking. Um, and I kind of got to the realisation that City have only got five games left to play, and we're kind of running out of games for them to draw points in. Now, that's not to say that I don't think it, it's going to happen, because... You know, I think the law of averages suggest that it will at some point, based on the number of games they have and the types of games they have, et cetera, et cetera. But even still, the fact remains that the Premier League title isn't in Liverpool's hands, but the Champions League is, and you expect to play Barcelona in the semi-final, and then you expect to play City or Juventus in the final. Or Ajax? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's fa- that's totally fair based on the, based on the, the games that I've seen them play, um, and they look in top form at the minute as well. I, do you know what? I'd, I'd probably I'd probably least like to play them nearly, um, apart from the obvious Ronaldo factor. But of all all things being considered, then do you genuinely think that we can we can negotiate Barcelona? As it probably will be, and and Klopp then erase these issues and exercise these demons of this can't win finals tag that he has.
1: Well, I mean, as we um, touched upon before, um, I think we've we've really shown last couple of games, especially you know with all the players coming back to fitness and you know the motivation and energy levels really high in most of our players and just how diverse we can play from game to game. I think it's um, absolutely... I mean, we have momentum on our side and I think we're more than ready for um, a long push uh, in both competitions. And as you say, you know, the Premier League, it could end up being, you know, even though the fixtures suggests that uh, City might just be dropping a few points in one of um, their next two fixtures, especially... Um, it's still in their hands, and you know it's it's not it's not impossible that they win the remaining games, and we also do, and we uh, finish um, uh, one point behind them. But I mean, the Champions League. I mean, Coutinho has already said that you know they they really don't want, even though he he would like to face us. He really doesn't want to uh, play us in a two-legged um, uh, game because we all know. What happens when teams come to Anfield, especially on European nights? I think we, I think we can really push with with our whole with our whole squad, you know, firing. We can definitely push for um, uh, both competitions. I mean, we, we only have four league games left, um, two of them at home, and um, in the Champions League, obviously, you'd fancy us to um, go through um, uh, and face Barca. Um, so that, that that would mean an, an additional two games, semi-final, and the the final is on the first of June anyway, long after the Premier League season ends. So, um, it's it's definitely there for the taking, and um, yeah. With well, what I do want to say is that uh, what also th- I think gives us an edge. You know, there, there's been um, constant talk about um, how our fullbacks have, uh, you know, played such a big part in um, our game, and you know, they obviously have so many assists, especially for fullbacks. Um, and, you know, you, you've seen how they've uh, transformed the whole way that we play together with Van Dyke coming in the back line and, you know, having Klein on, at right back and Moreno at left back. And now you have Trent and Robo who are doing the, the one thing which both of those players weren't doing, uh, um, not only just getting assists, uh, but also, you know, being defensively solid. Uh, being generally more intelligent on the ball but in in last few games uh, we've made really good use of our midfield with especially with Hendo uh, dropping into the eight and um, uh, you know last game um, uh,
0: against- I sorry I think it's worth the mention as well saying that great great fucking subs on on Sunday just to settle the, just to settle the game right down after that that crazy period.
1: Definitely, and there was also a a really uh, funny moment where uh, Keita in the second half, I think it was um, um, soon after Chelsea's um, short period of dominance where he was like, he receives the ball on the left side and he just signals, like, calm down, he has some space in front of him, and then he does this weird move with his leg and uh, then he passes the ball um, uh, back to the goalkeeper, just calming the game down, but also, you know, James Miller coming on um, and and Genie also, you know, bringing, bringing the experience, uh, bringing the calm. And it's, it's just brilliant to be able to bring these kind of players in. Um, and, you know, especially when the opponent is tired and you have some uh, almost world-class players coming on who are, you know, uh, rested and, you know, have tons of experience. So, I mean, it's just not only can we attack with our fullbacks and uh, con- contribute to attack, but also the way we use our midfield now uh, be be able to bring different personnel and uh, also there, were, there was a few instances where you know um, it's just we have so many players that are willing to get into the box you know some of our players have played together uh, for a while now you know Firmino's been in the team uh, for a few years now Mane's on his third year and you know all the uh, Genie, um, uh, Henderson, Milner you know w- there's so many th- there were points um, at the Chelsea game where there was three four five people in the box time and time again you know the team is definitely not scared of taking you know we've seen a lot of pragmatism um during a very crucial period where we you know had a few draws and we also had some important results um before that as well but we we've seen a lot of pragmatism but now you see uh, we're you know at the final stretch uh the final sprint as klopp said so and we're showing absolute balls to just Put bodies into the box, take the risk, and you know, uh, beat Chelsea at home, uh, get the three points. You know, don't 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 be too pr- pragmatic. You know, we club has also been criticized, you know, a, a bit at, at times this season uh, for being too pragmatic at times, perhaps, and you know, mentioning the Leicester draw on the West Ham and whatnot, or against uh, Man United or Everton. But I mean, just look, you know, when when when. Uh, When the tough gets going and it's the final race, uh, you see now, you know, all the players are taking more responsibility. They're taking more risk. And I don't think it's even just down to club. I think the players themselves, and I think he also indicates this in uh, one of his post-match interviews, that, you know, the players um, have to take some responsibility as well. And that's exactly what they did. They know they were taking risks, but they know that once they take that risk, they will do everything they can um, to either get that goal or if not, then win it back with uh, at all costs and uh, go again and get the three points because that's in reality what's what champions do. So, and you can see, you know, they're all very humble, but they're all extremely determined. They take care of themselves. Um, they, they, they have a great relationship with each other. Uh, you know, there, there aren't that many, as, as we mentioned before, you know, there, there, there aren't that many big egos. Everyone wants to help each other. Um, they like the manager the manager likes them and you know it's just a perfect setting where everyone is just buzzing off of each other and you know this team can definitely go all the way I think well let's keep our fingers crossed um, but yeah it's um, all all signs are all signs
0: are, are blinking blinking lovely shiny lights to me right now I'm just imagining how many great nights I might have between now and the end of the season that I'll probably destroy my bank account and my marriage so um <laughs> Shengus, Chief, thanks very much. We'll see us after Portal up the 30-yard Thunder Bastard Reds.